Ladies and gentlemen of Epperson, we're back with another episode of Gates, Gators, and Golf Carts. On this episode, our guest is a Pasco County native. He's a graduate of Florida State University Law School and is currently practicing as a dependency attorney representing children as a guardian ad litem. Most of you know him as the chairman of the Epperson Ranch CDD. And in this episode, we talk all things CDD before delving into what motivated him to become a lawyer and why helping children is so important to him. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Pullen. Florida has over 600 CDDs. Like total? Well, as of 10 years ago. I'm sure it's a lot as more now. 10 years ago? Yeah, as of 10 that's years ago. That's your recent, that's your recent uh, analysis that you can bring to the table? Is six, is yeah, it's hard ago? to find. Some of this stuff's hard to track down. I'm sure I could figure it out though, if uh, if you want to dig deeper into it. What would you think but they have now? My, uh, at least over 800, I would imagine. I mean, there's already been, just here in Epperson in the last six years, three have popped up, south, north, two. Yeah. Union Park, they got to be in the last 10 years, right? I think they're, well, maybe they're, they're probably a little bit I don't know much about Union Park, but, no, so we don't know anything about CDDs. I mean, Alexis moved here, HOA is always, is all we heard. So we, CDD thing was a brand new thing. So what's a CDD? Yeah, it's just an alternative way for, instead of using municipal uh, incorporation, CDDs are a way to kind of self-fund infrastructure. And the CDD thing is, is weird because... You read all this stuff online about it, and some of it's like from law offices that Bullshit. try to, yeah, yeah. But then you hear people talk about it, like just just in general. But there's a lot of mix up between the HOA and the CDD. So we pay a fee, a CDD fee, with our taxes. So it's actually once a year, but it's well, it's you pay your CDD fees up front. So for the year for 2021, oh, right. yes. you'd pay your CDD fees with your tax bill for the year out. All right. But your property taxes which also are on the same tax bill, those are paid in arrears. Okay. But that's where a lot of the confusion happens is when someone first buys a house. Right. The property is appraised that, and a lot of this, I'm specifically talking about property taxes here, not right. CDD fees, which I call taxes because they, they essentially are, taxes, are. yeah. But you'll have your property, which is appraised at a certain value, you buy your home, and then your home gets built, all of a sudden gets re, you know, reevaluated and... Right. Now your tax bill jumps up to to reflect that. So sometimes some mortgage companies won't take that into account. So sometimes you get a surprise tax bill. But Okay. So what is the purpose of a CDD then? I think a lot of people in the neighborhood, and this is, um, I talked to uh, Victor about it last week, what the percentage of Epperson is actually transplants versus people that lived in Florida. If you lived in Florida, especially if you lived in other communities other than this particular community, you probably are aware of a CDD, but coming from outside the state, and I'm sure there's other states that have something exactly like it, or it's called a CDD or whatever, but we'd never heard of them before. So what what specifically is a CDD? It's obviously money we're paying back. And from what I've heard, it's like the bond that was used to put the community together. This is the first CDD I've ever lived in. Okay. And I was born and raised right here in Pasco County. Okay. <laughs> so I've spent right. a good majority of my life in Florida. But so then it's a, like, I mean, but you've heard of them before. Well, I've heard of them, but I've never, I've lived in HOA neighborhoods before, mm-hmm. but this is the first CDD neighborhood okay. I've lived in. And a CDD is basically just an alternative way to fund um, instead of a municipal incorporation. So in other words, there's not a city here. The CDD right. is the one that funds infrastructure, sewers, okay. lights. I think the Villages has 
seven, eight CDDs just in the villages up near Gainesville. They have a fire station. (laughs) Somebody told me, I've never been to the villages. Someone told me, I think it was a patient of mine that was telling me what the villages was. Like the villages is like, he said it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. Like it's, it's like a bunch of small communities that are, it's, it's now its own city or its own town. Right. Yeah. So they have like town center restaurants. Right. Uh, like seven CDDs. They've kind of done what, so like Epperson split theirs into three. Right. They've been split into. But there's like 6,000 homes or something or even more than that. Yeah, it's pretty big. Like it's, it takes a little while to get from one side to the Mm -hmm. other, I heard. Yeah. It's mostly a, from what I remember, mostly retirement community. Retirement community is what I was told. But I know they have a two J's deli there. Black and white cookies. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that's about the only time I stop in the villages to go there. So yeah, so the villages. um, 17 CDDs. 17 the villages CDDs in the villages. Into 17. That's so nuts. Well, it's just like Epperson. Right. One Epperson. One Epperson if it was 17. But split into eventually, right? Multiple districts. Eventually we'll get we're growing. We're growing bigger than we than I know that we saw when we first moved in here. We knew there was going to be probably two more. We knew they were going up by King Lake, but they're going past that. If you keep on going up Curly Road, there's a dirt road off to the left-hand side. I didn't realize that all that construction that's going up way north of King Lake is actually going to be Epperson as well. Yeah. And on the other side of Curly too, they have yeah. going in over there. So they have the the rental properties, or at least that was the last thing was the rental properties that were going up there by MPREP. Right. That was the, you know, obviously things change all the time. There was those going up there. Now you have Kirkland, Kirkland Ranch, um, charter school going up there too, which obviously was a big push, I'm sure, to handle all the, the amount of residents that are going to go up in Epperson. So, I mean, that's, at first I thought it was like 2,000 homes. It's going to be way more than that. Yeah, and you have Murata, which... Right, the Murata. Just saw they're going to connect the two, is what they've said. Yeah, they've said there's going to be some kind of road that you wouldn't have to take, like, Curly all the way up to 52, and now you're going to be able to go all the way through. Yeah, and Overpass is going to go out to the interstate. I'm sure there will be more coming along. Yeah, all the... yeah Overpass out that way, too, so... I keep on on forgetting about all the homes, all the Epperson homes that are going to be on the the north side of Overpass that are not like what we considered Epperson 2. There's actually everything like across from Olive Brook, for instance. Right. Yeah. All those homes over there and all that space. And I think that's north, if I'm not mistaken. Is it considered north? I think it's considered north, North. Yeah. But it's not just Epperson that's growing, too. Between where we're at right now, here in Epperson, out to Zephyr Hills, that's all going to be redeveloped. That's all in the middle of development, too. So like going down Elan Island, I always forget how to say that. But If you, between uh, Curly Road and... Out there in Zephyr Hills. You're like going up 54? Is that what you're talking about? I'm thinking about my maps now. So 54 goes up. They have Avalon Park. That's like one of the, that was like the first thing. But now they have all the, all the other homes that are going to go up on the right-hand side. It was all, the land's all cleared. And the left-hand side where they put the new traffic light coming from Meadow Point, across 52 from Meadow Point is like uh, something crossing, something, Chapel Crossing, I think is what it's called. They're going in so fast. I See, can't keep up. You can't, you can't keep up. So. <laughs> but I know that the county plans that showed from where we are out to Zephyr Hills, 70,000 new homes that will be going so in in the next however many years. No wonder people are mad. And and of course, they wait to do the roads until after. Until after <laughs> until afterwards. Which is funny. I actually reached out to the county today about the light at Curly mm-hmm. and 54. You know, the turn arrow when you're coming in. Yes. It takes like five cycles to get through it at right. like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. I'm hoping they'll make that green for a little bit longer. Yeah, I've, st- I've been stuck at coming from Watergrass side 
have been stuck at that light for four cycles, four or five cycles one time. I'm not going to lie. I ran that red light probably, <laughs> probably twice to get over. So obviously, um, you're the chairman of our CDD. So our money, uh, so here's a good question because a lot of people don't understand what a CDD, what is the difference between a CDD and an HOA? Most communities in Florida are HOA communities. I think myself growing up, I lived in HOA communities. This is the first CDD community that I've lived in. And I know HOAs are also in other states too. Right. So a lot of folks that are moving in from out of state might be familiar, at least with the general idea of an HOA. But the main difference between CDD and an HOA is a CDD is a special purpose local government that is granted certain authority by the state to do certain things like infrastructure, higher security, build parks and recreation, the authority to assess taxes, something okay. that a CDD can do, raise revenue. And in theory, when the state started allowing created CDDs, it was a, a way for landowners to be able to use public facilities early on in the process. So when you build something inside of a CDD, it's funded by the residents that live inside the CDD. So you okay. don't have residents from Tarpon Springs funding right. a clubhouse or a park for someone who lives in Epperson. Mm -hmm. So it's all self-funded, which gives, in theory, when the legislature designed this, it gives more control over the process to residents because a CDD board is directly accountable to the residents who live inside the district. Right. An HOA is a nonprofit organization that you agree to their rules when you buy your house. So they have their declarations and they have all of the... Some of the rules are what color you can paint your house, right. how tall your grass can grow, right? Don't let weeds grow mm -hmm. on your sidewalk. Those are all things that Like homeowners... if you can park on the side of the street or not. Exactly. That one. <laughs> Overnight parking. Overnight parking. Those are things that you sign an agreement with the HOA when you move into your home that you're right. going to abide by these rules. So it's like a contract. I'm going to buy this house. I agree to these HOA rules. Some of those rules are your grass has to be like this. Your house can't be this color or that color. You can't park in the street. If you're going to add anything to your house, you agree to come to us first. And, mm -hmm. and the HOA, they raise they raise revenue through your HOA dues. And that's the, the biggest difference between the two. Both an HOA and a CDD have board meetings, but they are completely separate of one another. And especially now here in Epperson South, where the CDD board is now resident run, mm -hmm. the HOA is still under the developer. Right. So the two are, are completely separate. But there's also a lot of overlap between, and a lot of this doesn't apply to Epperson, just generally, between a CDD and an HOA because the CDD here in Epperson has takes on a lot of the functions that normally you'd see an HOA do in a community that doesn't have a CDD. It has a board, and the board's elected by people who live in the district. And what a CDD can do is what the state tells the CDD that they can do. And this is all in okay. it's chapter 190 is the statutes. And in 190, basically the state legislature has said, we're going to give this authority to local governments to do. And things like manage infrastructure, like sewers, roads, parks and recreation, public safety, uh, in a sense of like private security, things like that, firehouses. So that's that's more on the, the CDD side and it's all falls under any other laws that apply to local government. So CDD board meetings have to be open to the public. Mm -hmm. They have to be noticed. HOA has a lot of the same rules. They have to have board meetings that are open to the public too. And there's a lot of overlap between the two things. In a lot of communities, the HOA handles parks and 
recreation and right, and things right. of that nature. CDDs can handle them too. It's just we have both operating at the same time here inside of Epperson, and the HOA doesn't own any land here in South. Right. So all of your public areas, if you will, they're owned by the CDD. Okay. So that's the big difference here in Epperson, whereas you'd see a lot of communities that have an HOA. The HOA owns the recreational facilities and the parks. I think that's what most people are confused about because I think that people that come from an HOA and see the HOA has a lot of their hands in all of that stuff, they come here and they think, well, wait a minute, we're used to an HOA doing that. But then, of course, they get on Facebook and they talk about these specific things and they want to know. And then people are obviously directing them, oh, no, that's a CDD issue. Oh, no, that's an HOA issue. So like the amenities thing is a big deal and how we go about getting amenities. And some people, you know, have made comments about the HOA. Why isn't the HOA doing that or, you know, the CDD? But the thing that helped me and to understanding what a CDD actually was, was that it's the land. Like it has a lot to do with the land itself because the CDD controls the actual physical land, correct? The CDD is a, a government board has control over land that the district owns. Right. But the the CDD isn't involved in regulating private property. Now, no, the government not private can't property. trespass on private property. Right. But when we have land that's like, say, not being used, we have specific private parcels that have houses on them. We have amenities or we want to talk about the butterfly garden or we have the tot lot. The well the dog part's not even in our C D D, is it? No, not it's it's outside of our boundaries. Mm-hmm. our jurisdictional boundaries. And it's also not owned by by any CDD in Epperson. It's owned by, uh, it's Epperson Ranch LLC, which is an affiliate of Metro, the developer. No so, wonder everybody's so, so confused. It's it's very confusing. <laughs> when it comes to using uh, land, like people, for instance, our, our, our residents, and I think our residents who are going to be listening to this and wanted to have some topics that I talked about because we talk about amenities all the time. Like we talk about, putting or adding an amenity, changing something might not be so bad for the fact that we have, if we have something, we need to change it. It's ours anyway. We know that space is being used for something. Nobody wants to use it for that space. We can change it. But new amenities, adding new things, the biggest restraint is space. Space and budget. Budget, definitely, obviously. Because anything that the CDD does has to be paid for, and it's paid for by taxes that residents pay. Right. So if you have something that costs X amount of dollars and the budget from the previous year. So the budget, obviously coming out of our pockets as residents. Correct. The, the initial money coming in. So when, when CDDs were first, uh, when the legislature first passed 190 to authorize CDDs to help with development and growth, the theory behind it was these public facilities will be used by the residents that live inside of those CDD districts and they'll be self-funded by the residents that live inside those CDD districts. So a resident that lives, say, over in Newport Ritchie mm-hmm. isn't paying for a clubhouse to be built inside of Epperson right. when they're not going to be the ones who, who right. use it. So, okay. So it gives, in, in theory, it gives residents more control over you know the recreation and the facilities that they use. Right. But a lot of people here, you know, people are asking for a clubhouse. They're asking for um, a basketball courts or pickleball or whatever it may be. Uh, I know that I've been to a few CDD meetings and it's come up a lot about trying to add amenities to Epperson Ranch CDD, which is us. And I think the confusion comes with, hey, I mean, I think from their point of view, they're like, well, we don't have this stuff. We were we were promised these things. We were promised more. We want more. But the bottom line comes to the fact that we just don't have the space to put it in. Correct? 
right? It's 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 a restraint on our right. our ability to to do certain things. Like you said, build a clubhouse. I right. think you have to look at where could we put it, and then the places that we do have that are available to put it. How will it impact the people that live right around that clubhouse? I don't think you know a clubhouse just magically goes in across right. the street from you know, 200 residents and everybody that lives on, I'll take the tot lot as a, a perfect yes. example, the yeah. pond and the noise for all the residents there. And then there's uh, the the budget. It's 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 a lot of money building a clubhouse because you, you not only have to build the clubhouse, you have to get it, everything approved, permitting and that process, the administrative process, there's funds there that have to be spent. Once the clubhouse is built, you have to have insurance. You have to hire people that'll work there. You have to hire people that'll clean mm-hmm. it. You know, if you have a swimming pool, it ha- that's another expense that has to be paid for. So it's just a lot of things to consider when when new things come up. So I think we're happy to do what the community wants, I think. I think, yeah, I, think I can speak for no, my I, fellow definitely. board members as far as the residents, no, resident board members are concerned. At the end of the day, if, if locating somewhere to put something as big as, say, a clubhouse is a bit tricky. So No, definitely. I, I think it, anything, it isn't even think something as small as a basketball court or a recreational uh, court or something like that. I mean, it's going to be impacting something because we just don't have the space. We really just don't have the space. So, And it's frustrating too. I've had a lot of residents reach out and say, hey, you know, can you look at this email that so-and-so sent me from mm-hmm. developer, builder, realtor, whoever the, the case might be, and say, hey, uh, yeah, there's this plan, there's this plan, there's this plan, and then two, three, four years later, here we are. And it, it was, not only is it it not planned. It doesn't appear like it was ever planned. Right. So it's, you know, it's frustrating and it's, uh, to be told things by developer and builder that turn out not to be true. Uh, I can tell you, we've reached out to the developer and urge them to use some of the space that they're developing now to add recreational, mm-hmm. whether it's tennis, basketball, pickleball. And we've reached out and we've sent emails and we've asked them to, you know, Hey, is this something you guys can look into? We don't have that here. Every other community has recreation things that teenagers more geared towards yes. teens and i mean unfortunately they uh haven't committed to it one way or the other so yeah i think a lot of people just think that you know certain things were they believe certain things were promised maybe they just had a grand idea in their mind about what this place would be when they kind of moved in maybe it was supported a little bit by things that were kind of promised them in the beginning so obviously it's it's frustrating for residents to to not see those come to fruition, but you can kind of look around the community and how it's developed and how many houses are here and how many how much space or little space we have and say there was no way that could have happened anyway to have multiple buildings or multiple courts of of activity centers and stuff like that. One of the things that I think, at least in my personal experience in looking at all the different CDDs around Florida and and the HOAs inside of Epperson South, the HOA doesn't own any land. Okay. It's all owned by the CDD. Right. I personally, I think that's a good thing for Epperson South because that means that what happens with the land is determined by a board that the residents have directly elected. That's that's really important, yeah. So, in other words, the decisions that we make on the mm-hmm. board, we're accountable to the residents. The right. HOA right now, they're not accountable to anybody. They're, they're developer appointed. It'll be that way probably for at least the next four years. So, there's no accountability for what the HOA does mm. as far as their board members and being elected. So if when you're looking at amenities and things of that nature inside of Epperson, the HOA, they don't own any land. They could still do it, so, but they have to ask the CDD, hey, can we use your land? And then can we build on your land? Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of a board, uh, because I think there's, again, there's questions because obviously people have never, a lot of the people here in Epperson have never encountered 
a CDD, let alone a CDD board. So if you could get into how how do they operate and how can members of the community get a better grasp on how to use that board to get um, you know what they need out of their CDD? Well, I think the main, the overall goal for, and I, and I know speak confidently about this mm-hmm. for our board because we have a great board, Lex and Kathy, and I think we all get along great. And I see the amount of work that, that Lex and Kathy and they put into making sure they try to get as much feedback and residents feedback before before they vote individually on the board. But at the end of the day, that's the main goal is to do what we believe is in the best interest of the community. And in order to get there, we try to get as much feedback as we can. We try to hear as much public comment as we can. Generally speaking, a CDD board is much like any other government board in Florida. Mm -hmm. It's, you look at like the Pasco County Board of Commissioners. They're elected. You have a, a board of county commissioners who is five elected commissioners. The county then, the county board of commissioners appoints a county administrator. That county administrator runs the functions of the county. So you have the parks department, zoning, all these different departments for the county that all are under the county administrator who's appointed by the board. So if you look at the CDD board, it's set up very similar to that. You have a a CDD board known as a board of supervisors. And on that board of supervisors, you have a chair, a vice chair, and then three supervisors who hold different seats. So for my example, I'm seat four Mm -hmm. and Lex is seat three. Uh, Mike Lawson is seat one, Doug Draper seat two, and Kathy seat five. The board then hires or appoints a district manager who acts much like a county administrator would Mm -hmm. in that the district manager runs the day-to-day functions of the CDD. Okay. Under him, he has the authority to hire staff to help him fulfill his his duties. Mm-hmm. So for Epperson South, Ray Latito is our district manager. And then working under him is field services, which is Breeze. So for concerns with getting a maintenance request or your gate clickers or... The dog park, well, the dog park's a bad example because we're slowly learning. <laughs> and it's, we're slowly learning this, that uh, one of the things we had talked about earlier was that as a government entity, we can't spend money on private property. So the CDD right, couldn't right. say, hey, Chris Belcher, we're going to come on your house and we're going to build. We couldn't do that. The CDD couldn't do that. The board right. couldn't do that. It's the same thing with the dog park. That, That's, that land is privately owned. CDD doesn't own that, we so can't, we can't do anything to it. We can't trespass and right. put something on private property without landowners' permission, but then we have to make sure that the state statutes allow the CDD to spend money on something like that that's outside of our boundaries. So let's specifically, because I want to get and I want to start narrowing down uh, who people need to contact when it comes to certain things. For instance, there's a lot of talk about the dog part, whether or not the, the hose bid doesn't work, there's... Ant mounds that are just overtaking the whole place. Their dogs are getting bit, uh, holes in the ground, and so forth. Who specifically do the residents need to contact when it comes to the dog park and issues with that? So the only party that has any authority to address concerns on the dog park is the landowner, which would be the developer. So that's Metro? Metro. Well, it's Epperson Ranch LLC, which is an affiliate of, of Metro, but yes. Okay. So it is a metro entity. So if there's issues, they need to contact metro directly, which obviously in the past we've known that that's been 
difficult to get any kind of resolution on when you talk try to talk it's, to Metro directly. But it is it's frustrating at times. Definitely for because and and you can see if you submit a public records request for my emails, right? Of the times that that myself and and Ray and and I'm sure other board members have reached out to try to see if Metro will will help out with some of the the concerns right, that are right. brought to us. And one of the big ones is there's no water at the dog park, right. which is ridiculous. Like using the CDD as a mediator, kind of using. Well, I, I think for the longest time, the CDD was spending funds at that dog park mm-hmm. to maintain it. And then all of a sudden we were told, Hey, look, uh, by, by the lawyers, they caught on, they said, well, we don't own that dog park. You guys aren't allowed to legally do that. Right. So then it was like, okay, well, if, if we can't do it, who can, Oh, well, you got to contact the landowner. Okay. Well, who's the landowner? Oh well, it's well, it's the developer. Okay, so LLC. so then we we reach out. So, but it's 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 just one of the something that's that seems, I mean, it's a hundred degrees in Florida, mm-hmm. and you put in a dog park that doesn't have water or shade. Yes, and then <laughs> to reach out to them, and I, I just reached out last week or maybe it was the week before, directly to the developer. Of course, I CC CDD staff, so they're in the loop. Right. If in case you know, residents reach out to staff, they know how you can, you can let them know that we've, we've reached out and we're, we're trying and, but I never heard back. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's frustrating. It's, it's, um, but we'll, we'll keep doing our best. I mean, as human nature would, human nature would dictate if you tell people, Hey, contact these individuals in order to try to contact this person or individuals in order to try to get resolution, they don't get it. That doesn't take away their frustration. So the frustration is just going to say, well, can I got to go to the next person I know? And obviously it falls in the CDD because we have residents on the CDD board. We have meetings every single month. So it's just kind of it, those things are going to come. I mean, we've had residents come to the CDD board and kind of talk about things blatantly that aren't CDD. You tell them they're not CDD stuff and they still want to talk about it. So it's it's because they're not getting any resolution anywhere else. So it's it, yes, it's frustrating. Because it's, they just want some kind of answers, even if it's the wrong answer. Well, we're happy to help however we can. And if we can help get in touch with the right the right folks right, to try to resolve some of these issues, if we can help residents get in touch with somebody at the HOA who's not responding, if we can help try to connect people with Metro. And so we certainly try to, to provide the best, most accurate information we can and to mm-hmm. get folks in touch with the proper you know, whatever this concern is to make sure that it gets addressed because, but it is, it's, it's very frustrating. And, and I completely, and, and I know I'm frustrated, just as frustrated at at these issues as well. I mean, I think. Yeah. You're a resident. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I live, I live here too. Exactly. (laughs) uh, Exactly. And, and I know, and I know the other board members share the frustration as well Mm -hmm. uh, when we try to reach out and say, Hey, can you get water added to the dog park? Yeah. It's, it's, it's frustrating. It's, some of the stuff too, the red tape. I think okay. the red tape is very frustrating because um, we operate under. I understand why the red tape's there, and and but it sometimes it it becomes so burdensome that it gets in the way of yeah. trying to make changes that need to be made quickly, like getting the gate operational, or if a stop sign is missing, and mm-hmm. you know it's not as simple as hey just put in a stop sign. It's like oh well you have to go to the vendor, no, you have to get so quotes, you things, have to get yeah. this person to sign off and this person to sign off. Yeah, I think it's common sense should dictate that, but of course you know not. I I don't think people seem to understand when it comes to something that's like when it comes to something that's like an official part of something official like the CDD that 
if it was your property, if it was my house and something was broken, I'll go out to the store, buy something and put it in. But it doesn't work that way when right. it comes to putting something on a, you know, a pretty much a governmental, right. you know, a CDD property. You, it, you have to make sure that, you know, the right thing is being bought, that it's being put in the correct way, that you have everything documented, that the how much you paid for it is documented. It has to go into the budget and everything has to be account, accounted for. I think people could be, it's patience, obviously. I mean, patience is, is hard to come by, especially in, in, in the world today. It, they're, they're, you're right. The red tape is going to frustrate people more than, than anything else. Yeah, because everything we do is as a CDD has to comply with state law. And there's all sorts of laws that tell you mm-hmm. if something's over a certain price, you have to go get so many, you have to go through this process. And sometimes getting through those that process can take a little bit of time. No, I, I get it. I mean, it's just that's just kind of like with everything, I think. Okay, so for the record, the, the CDD... Uh-oh. Has nothing to do with the lagoon, correct? <laughs> that is correct. That's yes. like the big question all over Facebook. We always want to talk about the lagoon. They want to draw the board members in, but I think so. It's correct. The, the the lagoon and the CDD are completely separate, and the CDD has no say at all over any lagoon operations. Okay, just so we're all clear. the The reason for that, though, is because the lagoon is privately owned by Metro. Metro they own the land, and it's, it's their mm-hmm. private property. So they're running a business. Just like when Advent Health puts in their, their right. health center. Right. Yes. Yeah. Likewise, the CDD will not have any say over if Advent Health can have their doors open at 6 o'clock, for right. example. Right. Makes sense. In addition to it being privately owned, it's also not even inside of the jurisdictional boundaries of any of the CDDs. So, it was, so that was my other add-on. Like this not, not only is it not part of our CD, it is not... It is not part of any of the CDDs of Epperson. Correct. The only extent to which it's involved with the HOA is that the HOA collects the lagoon fees for the lagoon. Okay. So they're a middleman. Pretty much, yeah. And they're just distributing. That gives us our discounted rate in order to go to the lagoon and do whatever. Well, the HOA collects the fees. Right. But as far as the CDD goes, it's like three weeks ago, I can I had staff, CDD staff, reach out to our treasurer, reach out to our accounting folks and verify 100% that not one penny of resident CDD dollars have ever went to funding the lagoon and will not go to funding the lagoon. Oh, CDD specific dollars. CDD dollars, right. Good. So so none of our CDD fees or CDD taxes, if you will, right. have have went towards funding the lagoon. But of course, it's a double-edged sword because we don't put any money into it. We, we don't have any say-so of what goes on in the lagoon. Correct. It's but, much like any other private business. I but think just you, to make that clear, because I don't want, we get questions all the time on Facebook or complaints or whatever that talk about, hey, why isn't the CDD doing any of this? And a lot of times for the people that have been here for a while, they kind of understand that. And we have new residents that come in and it's uh, it's also important for new residents that come in because a lot of our new residents aren't, nec- or aren't in the CDD or are not in Epperson South. They're in uh, two and North, whatever. Right. It's, it's, they come on there and they kind of, uh, just like all, just like we were, confused for a long time about how this whole thing works, right. who to talk to. And of course it gets regurgitated. Um, and then as their CDDs get up and running, then hopefully their boards will be able to discuss that and, and pass that information along. But we do try to, when, when residents reach out about the lagoon to the CDD, we do try to connect them with the lagoon mm-hmm. to try to get the, a lot of the stuff resolved. Or if it's a payment issue, we try and get them connected with the right person at the HOA. Because, you know, when you call, uh, when you call a company or, or, 
customer service, the last thing anybody wants to hear is, yes. oh, no, you have the wrong number. Yep. Why don't you hang up and dial this number? Exactly. Or here, I'll put you on hold, and then right. I'll transfer you here, I'll transfer you here, I'll transfer you here. I think everybody, so, I think. So we try really hard to to get direct answers from the lagoon mm-hmm. or from the HOA. But that's with everything. Because be I've seen the board, I've seen you specifically, and the board work together collectively to say, hey, we're not just going to say, issue you away with it with the situation. We're not going to just like dismiss anything that you have to say. Well, I know, I've seen it. You've given your advice. You've given, you've gone out of your way sometimes to kind of get information. It's just kind of like collect this information, distribute it. When it isn't necessarily your responsibility, but you're going to do it because you're on that platform. So, which actually kind of leads me to why did you want to be on that platform? What made you run for the CDD? Well, I, I think one of the big things I noticed when I had, we first moved in and I attended or listened, it was during COVID times, I dialed mm-hmm. into all the CDD meetings. I think the pawn company really was, was one of the big things that- That was a big topic, yeah. We were paying them an astronomical amount of money. And by we, I mean all of us. Mm-hmm. And they literally were not even showing up. They were taking our money and they were not treating the pawns was, was one of the big ones. If any company is going to come do business using our money, then they ought to be held accountable for what they agree to do in the contract. And Seems the way to hold right. them accountable, since the board member whose seat I decided to run against, I felt like was not had any interest in holding contract, you know, for paying money and for not getting a service. And there was just no accountability. It seemed like the the old board would make decisions. They would do whatever they wanted. They had, and, and to me, it was important to have a board that was responsive to public concerns mm-hmm. and that really went to work for the people that live here. And I felt like the old board before Lex, Kathy, and I got on the new board, I just felt like that there were a lot of improvements needed to be made. There needed to be some changes, things that worked better for our community that was more responsive to the things that our community wanted. Although they weren't actionable. They weren't really, it's almost like they have, they, they were, they sat on how many other boards and it just, it, they just weren't actionable. They weren't keeping up with things, how things were being ran and they weren't holding anybody else's feet to the fire when, when it came with their money. Now that we have residents on the board, your money, the board member's money literally goes into that CDD and what's being used to to spend right. on these pond companies or landscaping, whatever. So you have a little dog in that fight. They had no dog in the fight. So it was just like, okay, check the block every single month. We had literally had a resident. Uh, we literally had a resident that went back, and this is kind of how this, I remember, if I remember correctly, went back through three months of footage out his back door or back, out his back on the pond right. and right. showed that, they were there like one time in three months. Right. And collecting the money collecting from the residents yes. for all of those visits. It's, it's, it's asinine. And it, it's crazy. Any local government or any government for any position from CDD to county to city to state to, to whatever should represent the best interests of the community that it serves. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was not happening under the old CDD right. board. I'm, I'm very proud of the way that we are, I believe, the most transparent CDD in the state of Florida when it comes to getting out as much information as we can, being responsive to questions about what is going on with the district, where's the money going, where is it be spent. So that was one of the things that the current board, when we took over, mm-hmm. really was on one of the top top priorities to handle. 
on that side of the house was making sure that we're transparent, we're getting yeah. everything out to the public. Well, I think I think one of the things that members would want to do is know that they have somebody, like for instance, the board, you want the board to be like, they're actually doing something, right? And the best way to know that they're doing something is when, for instance, the board meetings, right? So they weren't meeting. Uh, one of the problems was the board meetings were being canceled all the time. They were being scheduled, mm-hmm. canceled, scheduled, canceled. And they would go months upon months without a meeting. And it's not an effective way to govern. I don't see how, no. How can you <laughs> make decisions? How can you make decisions that impact two, 3,000 people when you're not even taking the time to hold a meeting where mm-hmm. folks can show up and, and give their thoughts and give their opinions and weigh in? And it, it was just, uh, it was frustrating. Well, not to mention that I think a lot of people don't know this, that the actual decisions about what can be done in the CDD can't really happen unless you have a meeting. Correct. Yeah. Because they have to be voted on. Right. And if you're not having meetings, you're not having any kind of actionable thing going on because they're, they're not meeting in, in saying yes or no. So nothing changes. So through months and months and months, nothing changed. And I like the fact, yes, my wife is on the board. Everybody knows this. But taking the whole bias thing away, I think that one of the things was like, Hey, how often, you know, you're asked, like, how often could you meet, you know, and you can meet as much as once a month. And you've literally done that. Like literally have, have taken that day out every single month, sat there for a few hours, listened to, you know, go through the the board. It's been every single, ever since October, correct? Right. Well, we, we had to cancel in February because of a medical yes, yes. situation. With but I mean, it's, 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 it's consistent. And consistency, I mean, at least you can say, okay, we're going to, if something comes up in the meeting, you can say, we're going to listen to this and we're going to come back to the next meeting. We're going to vote on it. And they don't have to wait three, four months down the line because things get, because they don't want to do it because the other board didn't have a dog in the fight and they didn't care. I mean, you can literally just say they just didn't care. At least I can say that. To me, it looked like they didn't care. At least it looks like this board, because they're residents, they have money that goes in, they, they live here, they have children in this area, they have a dog in the fight and they want to see things change so they can you know, progress right. that way. And I think some of the things that how responsive I feel like we've been as a board to, mm-hmm. to getting things on the agenda that are important to the community. Anybody that wishes to have an item added to the agenda can call the, the district manager or send an email to the district manager That's or shoot info. an email to me. Yep. And we're happy to put anything on the agenda mm-hmm. for, for board discussion. I know I've seen that. I know I've seen that. I've seen you, I've seen you've acted on the Facebook pages. You created a Facebook page for the CDD. Like, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with the members of the CDD board in order to try to just at least get the energy up um, to get the topic brought up that way some kind of change can be done or at least have the bottom line was having the residents have their voices heard. Okay. And we've talked about this and I know that me personally, my point of contention is that people have wanted, they wanted they had these issues without Metro and of course Metro was in charge of the board. And then we say, Hey, we're trying to get a majority resident board. So we did that. I say, we did that. You guys did that. You guys did the legwork to get on the board. You did that. And now people think I personally, this is my personal opinion. This is not your opinion. It's my personal opinion is that people thought that, Oh, we're going to get them on the board and then they'll just do all the work for us. But it's very important. And I hope you can answer this, but I think it's very important for people to still show up to these meetings. You can't just kind of throw it on Facebook, you know, and think that, oh, well, the board member is going to bring it up. So it's not a big deal. But there's you guys, you guys have so much to go through and sift through that you can't possibly bring up every single 
com- complaint or, or concern, it's important, I think, for people to know that they still need to show up to these meetings, especially as we move over and we try to get go from the Zoom back to our the personal in-person meetings. Wouldn't you agree it's important for these the residents to, to show up and have their voices heard? I think the the one thing that I'd like to see happen sooner rather than later, and we, we couldn't do it with COVID, is to get these meetings moved closer to to the community. And I'm speaking for Epperson yeah. South, which is yeah, the I board so that, I, that I'm that i on, uh, because Epperson 2 and Epperson North have a totally different board, right. different boundaries, different... Something specific so that people need to know too. So yes. for, for Epperson South, I think one of the things that we're looking at is is getting it moved very closely here to Epperson. So hopefully it will allow uh, more folks to attend in person. We can have it at the Butterfly Garden. We just put some chairs out there and a tent. I get my little, my 12 by 12 tent <laughs> and put it out there. Can we do that? No, we can't do that. Well, I mean, I guess legally we could. Can we, we have could. it on CDD property? <laughs> right. Can we have it on CDD property legally? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But I think it would, because, you know, it's, it's uh, there's really no convenient time to have a meeting, right? If we have it at two, so. it's during it's during the day. If we have it at six, it's during dinner. If we have it on the weekends, it's during weekends. sports. It's weekends, right? <laughs> yeah. But add on that that the meetings are thirty minutes away, right? So I think mm-hmm. so. We've we've asked staff to keep it on Zoom to keep to try to work yes. through that, which has been tricky because the hotel where and and I'll, I'll speak a word on the hotel too. So the hotel was anytime a, a seat and this is any CDD anytime a CDD has a meeting because it's a government body. You have to advertise it to the public. It has to be put in the newspaper. It has to be mm. noticed. So the public's aware that the meeting is happening because all board meetings are open to the public. Well, all those notices went out last year for the board meetings this year. Okay. Because they went out in bulk. Uh, okay. We combined with the other CDDs. It was a cost-saving measure. So it saved residents money to do it that way. But the downside to that that we're seeing now is if we wanted to move the CDD meetings this year and move them closer to the community... Well, we'd have to re-advertise. We'd have to rebook a venue. So there would be, a, it wouldn't be a huge cost, but nevertheless a cost that mm. we all pay for. But trying to come up with as many ways as possible to connect r- the residents with their district was something that was very important to the mm. board, the new board. And that's why you've seen we've added the public comment form on the district webpage. This is yeah. for Epperson South. So if you see an item on the agenda and you can't make it to the board meeting, you can fill out that public comment form that's located right on the front page of the website. And those comments are submitted directly in to the board members at the meeting on any agenda item. Okay. So you can also reach out. I've, I've made the, the public Facebook page. You can reach out. I think Facebook is a, a very useful tool and it's very helpful to try and get information out there. But not everybody's on Facebook mm-hmm. and... So we try to, that's why we put the, the stuff in the newspaper. We have the website and we try to keep the website updated as, as much as possible. And just making it a little bit easier for uh, CDD staff to respond to the different inquiries that come up from the public, such as there's a new website on, if you go on the CDD website, the Epperson South CDD website, and you go to contact us, you'll see there's a new dropdown menu where you just click which issue you wanted to email about. Okay. So there's no more. You don't have to save. Oh, I need to save Ray's email, uh, the district okay. manager. Oh no, that's not his. That's a mm-hmm. Breeze thing, or you know. So we're trying to to get rid of all that and just make it one place where you can go. Oh, Totlot. Click Totlot. Type in your concern, huh. and hit submit, 
and then it automatically gets routed to to the right person to the right person that's awesome hey so we um so we were just talking about what the pond and real fast with the ponds right. we we changed to a new pond company we did correct? but we but coincidentally we have a another pond company that's coming to the board meeting next week and they want to present their idea for how okay. they think they can do a better job but the bottom like line is that company. we had a horrible pond company we did and you you as a board have already changed that and made positive changes and going forward and trying to well, I think it's just accountability okay. accountability and if you're collecting money from our residents here then we expect you to do the job that we're paying you to do exactly and it's I don't think it's any different than if you were to hire someone to cut your own. Why line. is that so hard to fathom for companies? I don't know. Is it because it's not coming from a person? I don't I don't know if it was an issue where they had gotten away with it for so long mm-hmm. that they just felt like there was never going to be any accountability or if it was just a breakdown in leadership or or what the issue was. But I can tell you what I do know is that we were paying this astronomical amount of money every month Mm -hmm. to have them come out here and do a service that we paid them for, that they signed a contract that they agreed to do and they weren't doing it. Are you allowed to talk about how much money the CDD saved by going to another company? I don't know the specific number, but I can tell you that we did save money and I have to go back and look at the contract, but the, and I posted, I had put the information out to the public as well in a post when it happened probably back in December or January. Mm-hmm. There was a savings to residents, but I don't know the exact amount. But it's a positive thing. One, but we saving, got better service. saving a penny, saving only a penny for better service would be absolutely well worth it. So. And, and I know the company that, so the company that's going to come present at the board meeting next week, they are a local company right here in Pasco County. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the company wants to show up personally. That's to the board meeting. And, that says a lot. And so so we look forward to hearing from him and Definitely. how he can help residents. with. So with that's one change. I know one of the biggest. We had the field gosh. services manager also that oh, we terminated the contract for, the old field yes. services manager. Yes. Who I don't know what was going on, just not responding to anybody. I mean, the biggest issue I think was the gate clickers. They weren't working. Mm-hmm. That's been and, an ongoing thing. And, and it is. It's, it's been very frustrating. And I mean, personally, I'd like to, I'd like to, Get those little stickers with the lasers when you come yeah. in, right? Um, so we, we're looking into it, have staff looking into it to see right. what they can do. With, you know, there's budget concerns and there's a cost. And of course, I think the stickers themselves are 20 to $30 per car, I think oh, is wow. what the gate company told me. And you add that to, I don't know how many cars we have here in Epperson, 1,000, 2,000. And you're talking about where it can read the barcode and it opens it or something like that? Right. Yeah. The little, uh, yeah. looks like a, yeah, like a barcode you put on your window. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, Listen, I can speak for myself all day long. I guarantee you, we would we would pay for it. But that doesn't mean that everybody else would, or they would think it was a great idea. But with all the issues that have been going on with the gates and everything, right. are one of the third reasons the podcast is named what it is, <laughs> being gates. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It's obviously one of the top three things. It's you know we talk about it all the time. And so um, we've we've as far as specifically for the gates, we've changed companies that now come out. The new company that you see come out now they're i think they're very responsive the gate gets broken they're out on site rather quickly now it takes a while when the gate gets broken like it is now completely Mm -hmm. off the hinges it has to be completely removed and sent to wherever their repair shop is and repaired and brought back but for things like troubleshooting you know system errors and, and things of that nature it's usually i think it's been back online pretty quickly but we're still looking to do better and just getting the gate situation resolved completely is is a huge goal that because I've never seen gate problems like this. I I've 
it's <laughs> i mean it's it's so people are gonna hammer me if i don't ask you what's going on what's the uh status on the the current gate issue we talked about it last uh, episode with Vic. Uh, we talked about the gates, the current, because uh, it was right after the gate had gotten damaged this time. And we talked about the cameras and and the whole idea of putting the cameras in is to is to be able to, you know, I, would, I don't want to use the term catch the person who did it, but just to have the, the footage that we, we can kind of find somebody responsible. Stop having the CDD for the bill for all the times because we've, what, seven, eight, nine times we've had this gate had to be fixed, maybe more than that. Where are we at with that? Or what is your opinion about how we're, you know, able to handle issues with the gates now moving forward? Yeah, well, first, I, I'm thankful that the resident's okay. It was, it looked very scary when okay. you saw it on the, on the camera feed. It, it looked very scary. And so I'm very thankful that, that she's okay and, mm-hmm. and, and doing better from that night. Good, good. I mean, one of the main reasons that we put the cameras in at the gate were to be able to have documentation when incidents happen. Mm-hmm. such as the gate being hit, right? And I will say this, the resident within 24 hours reached out to the CDD. Awesome. She reached out to the CDD and identified herself. And Good. and from there, staff is is working on the process to, to get the gate both repaired right. and for a plan to address the cost okay. for the gate being hit. I can tell you that when, and we saw this recently with a, a construction truck that had drove over the median and overpass took out took out a couple yes, signs that's right, that's and right, some yeah. landscaping damage yep. and the cdd has demanded that the company pay back the residents for that cost and i know that that cost wasn't an astronomical one it was, it was quite minimal yeah but at the end of the day it's it's still not a cost that that we should be paying for you know when you have a commercial truck disregard the rules of the road and, and drive right. over the median right so oh, we by are the way I, I like how you have i like how you kind of say that uh, where you say they they paid back the residents. We get caught up in the fact, oh, the CDD, CDD, but it, it literally is just what you just said. They literally are paying us back for because we put the money into the CDD. Right. So I just I just wanted to say that that I like and the way that it's worded. Yeah, as, as a board, our 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 top priority, <clears throat> I think, of course, is safety. If there's things we can do to address safety concerns. I think really the function of any government body should be the top priority. But another top priority of ours is making sure that we protect residents tax dollars. In other words, we're not spending money wastefully. We're holding companies and contractors and accountable when they're when we're paying them for a service mm-hmm. we expect it to be provided. And when you have situations that cost residents money from reckless driving and from disregard for the rules or mm-hmm. the safety of others and you cause damage to property, district property that's paid for by by our neighbors, mm-hmm. by you, by me, then I think it's important that we we make sure that we're able to recover those costs because at the end of the day, the residents sh- should not be on the bill for repairing landscaping. No, of course not. For a commercial truck driver who not only destroyed it, but then tried to flee. Luckily, yes. a resident was out there <laughs> and, tracked, and r- captured. R- run him down. <laughs> but the information was able to help out, and we were able to identify the truck driver. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I certainly don't want anybody to put themselves in, in danger to try to. No, of course not. To catch I mean, to catch people, but in, I know this resident; and he's pretty tenacious. So. Um, it was, but it, it turned out great. He got him down. It, it was important to that resident. It was important for that resident to say, listen, what he did was wrong. He went down, got the number, and obviously was able to get remedied. And save, save residents some money. Definitely. So, so talking about changes, uh, I know at the last board uh, the last board meeting we were talking about, uh, it's been going on for several board meetings. It's um, dating back before you guys were even on the board, uh, Yale Harbor. Okay. Yale Harbor has been a topic of discussion ever since we've been here, uh, and for good reason, speeding Reckless driving on there. There has been a lot of uproar about traffic 
specifically traffic on Yale Harbor. And over the last couple of meetings, I know that we've, I know that there was a traffic um, person that was hired to go and do an evaluation. This has actually been done a couple of times, but then the last board, it was approved or that it came back that the construction of speed bumps on Yale Harbor, and that was the decided remedy to that. I know a lot of people that I've talked to um, that even live on Yale Harbor are, are in favor of that. Can you expound on that and where we're at with that? The process of, well, let me start from the beginning of how we got here. Mm-hmm, please. Before the current board, there was this traffic study done on Yale Harbor that was ordered by the previous board. And that traffic study came back basically that traffic was normal, right? Mm. Which mm-hmm. I, I think, and this is my personal opinion, having gone to Yale Harbor and spent some time on Yale Harbor to to get it really to understand what the residents were dealing with, uh, I felt like I needed to go to Yale Harbor and, and just sit there and, and watch it for myself. And after being there for a very short period of time, it was my opinion that the traffic is not normal. On, no, on Yale it's Harbor. not. It's not normal there. And when that traffic study was completed, myself, Lex, and Kathy, we got sworn in to the new board. I asked the district manager at the time. I said, "Can you please ask the traffic engineer if she has ever been on Yale Harbor?" <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. And to me, that's that's it's that's criminal. troubling. That's criminal it, to me. It's it, it was troubling. It was troubling. Yeah. So the issue that we ran into was, well, what do we do? What is a board? Do we have the legal authority to do to address it's a two-part problem you have speeding but you also have volume and the recent traffic study showed there are over 1500 cars a day that drive down yale harbor in one day that's insane in one single day and you do and and the speed study also or the traffic study it showed that there is a a speeding issue on yale harbor it was important to have the traffic study done again because the board cannot do much in terms of remedying the issue without getting a traffic engineer to approve some of the options. And some of the options that were looked into were, can we close the gate completely? And I'll, and I'll address that one in just a second. Can we put in some sort of roundabout or a stop sign? Or can we put in speed humps? Unfortunately, if, if you've been down Yale Harbor, you'll see it right, right away. You'll see that the, the road is very narrow. Very, very narrow. There's no, it's not possible to to redirect the road now, you can't put more curves in it. You can't add a roundabout. Mm-mm. So those sort of options and other traffic calming options were were just not something that that could be done because of the way that the road was designed. And then the issue with shutting the gate. Well, we do we shut the gate completely, and or maybe we just make it exit only. We make it entrance only. Do we shut it completely? We ran into the issue of finding out from from legal counsel that since the CDD owns the roads, and this is one of those other issues between HOA and CDD. If an HOA owns the roads or areas, they can close it to the public. But since a, a district is a, a CDD district is a local government, the roads are publicly funded, so to speak. So the roads are public. So we can't restrict access on the roads to the public. Which is confusing for some, I think, because you're thinking, hey. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, we have a gated community and we should be able to only allow you know, if you have a, a clicker or a code, you shouldn't be able to call at any time and say, hey, look, right. I'm from the public. I want to drive through the neighborhood. Um, but we, one of the things we did right away within the first week of taking our seats on the board is we did shut the gate mm-hmm. and residents have access with their clicker. So the only option we were really left with, the only good option, I believe, is speed humps. And I think at the end of the day, and I understand that not everybody's in favor of speed humps. I've had, I've heard, right. I've heard the concerns with the speed humps. Yeah. 
At the end of the day, the most important thing for the board is that people are safe in the community. We will do whatever it takes to make sure that children feel safe to play in their own yards. Right. And that residents feel safe to walk on the sidewalk or to go for a bike ride. And I'm hopeful that these speed humps will help ease right. some of the concerns on Yale Harbor. Yeah. Because I, I still remain concerned. As far as where we are in the process, district staff is in the process of getting the quotes and the bids for the speed humps. Uh, so we're still waiting on a few things, but the board has approved the speed humps. So as soon as we are able to get the quotes, the installation of them can begin. But okay. I will... Uh, Which is, is obviously red tape and all the stuff we talked about before. Yeah. And right. it's very so frustrating. It's you know, I don't live on Yale Harbor, so I don't know what day-to-day life is on Yale Harbor. I don't know what kind of impact um, speed humps will um, have on me as being a resident on your harbor but because I, I also uh, we don't drive down your harbor I have found out that I think anybody and we've seen it or have talked about many times before uh, I've seen people turn in front of me onto your harbor and I keep on going out Epperson down overpass and come around and I've actually beat the person going the speed limit just beat the person past the Yale harbor exit so I'm not sure you know why people want to use your harbor I guess it's just in their mind it, it's quicker but, you know, I don't go down your harbor, so I don't know how it's going to impact. But for as much negative impact people think, it's going to have astronomical amount of positive impact uh, when it comes to people um, speeding. And obviously the intent is the safety, like you like you said, to keep people safe, especially kids. Uh, and even just people that's like running to the neighborhood, biking through the neighborhood. Um, even going uh, the golf cart path goes through there across from uh, the backside golf cart path, kind of cuts across there to go down onto Ramadoon. Um, safety is obviously key. I don't want to keep on beating the dead horse of the CDD. So the last thing I want to talk about the CDD is what are some goals? Like what are some goals that you and CDD members have for this community? Like what are the top goals that you have? Yeah, well, of course I want to keep working on making sure that residents are able to connect with CDD and CDD staff and they're always able to reach out if they have concerns and just Mm -hmm. connecting their CDD with the community Mm -hmm. so that way things can get addressed. Just making sure that money is spent wisely and properly and we're we're holding companies accountable that are taking funds and hoping we have the right the right contracts entered into with the right companies making sure we get good companies in here that do business mm-hmm. i think we're looking at trying to get the landscaping contract rebid out i think lex is working on that it's one okay. of the projects that she's working on so and so i look forward to to trying to get some of these things rebid out and of course trying to address uh, some of the concerns that the community have for what they'd like to see cdd funds spent on in the future so yeah but one of the things I think we can do to help get as much feedback as possible is trying to get the meetings moved closer here. Yeah. So I know that's been a goal for us yeah, to try to get that. them to try to get them moved in here as well. So so I think at the end of the day, we, we do the best we can. We try to get as much feedback as we can from everybody. We try to hear all points of view and we listen and we make what we believe are decisions that best impact our community. And so we're very grateful and humbled for the opportunity mm-hmm. and we do the best we can. Personally, I've seen a lot of change. Uh, just in the way that the, the the community is representative, represented when it comes to the CDD. Uh, so I, you know, obviously thank you for that, um, spearheading that. Yeah, I appreciate it. What would you want the residents to know moving forward as you as a board member of the CDD? Well, I just encourage everybody to to keep reaching out, to keep providing their input on issues that affect the community, because anything that the CDD does, that the board does, the decisions that we make on the CDD board have, I believe, more of an impact on the day-to-day lives of residents in this community than hardly any other public office. Hmm. That's an interesting take. Half of your tax bill is CDD fees. So 
when you think about it like that, the decisions that a CDD makes really impact everybody in the community's day-to-day lives. And you can't really say that about too many other. No, you're right. And in the best way that we can work to represent everybody's best interests is if we hear from as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone to keep reaching out. I think all of us are, are very reachable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most people know where we live. You can reach us by email, text, call, yeah. show up at the meeting, submit the public comment forms. And, and what about frustrations? I mean, obviously people are frustrated because maybe some people aren't getting what they thought they were going to get when they were you know, signing on the dotted line for their house. Or some people are frustrated with the way that even some changes are being made. Well, nobody likes to be lied to. Okay. And, and I understand that frustration. I think it's, it's a shame. It's a very exciting time when you're moving into a new neighborhood and you're building a new house and you look back and it's like, oh, they told, you know, the builder told me this or the developer told me this and it turned out to not be true. Mm-hmm. And, but I can tell you that from, from a CDD point of view moving forward, you will not hear anything from us that's not true. I mean, we will always be truthful. We will tell the community the truth about issues, whether it's good news or, or news that isn't the best news, but mm-hmm. we'll always be honest. I think the the lack of transparency really was contri- contributed to some of the issues that we had heard about with, I think like the fire pits was one of them yes, when, yeah. when the developer had had promised that those were going to go in. And, and as a CDD, we, we said, okay, well, we'd like to try to, to see if this is something that the community wants to do. Mm-hmm. And we understand that, that the developer had promised that and yep. for whatever reason, they're not going through with it, but maybe we can try to help out, Right. And so we sent out a survey and we got as much feedback and right. the overwhelming majority of that survey, of that survey right, was that, <laughs> you know, this isn't something that they wanted yeah. their district dollars spent on. So, but I would just encourage as many folks as possible uh, to reach out, to to let us know how you feel about certain issues and, and to to share your points of view so that when we go to vote at the board meeting, we make the best decision with the best information we have that takes into account everybody's point of views. I think people, yeah, definitely need to just kind of participate more. And and yeah, I think you're doing a great job. No, oh, thank you. That's just me. I appreciate <laughs> it. But, but I, do, I do. At the end of the day, we're just trying to make the community a little bit better each day. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when, when our time is done on the board, we can look back and say, we really made some positive changes and made residents' lives just a little bit better. I think if you polled everybody in the community, you know, not just a swath of 30 people, 40 people that might show up to the meetings, if you polder in the community. I think, I think they're satisfied. I actually do believe that some of the people don't show up to the meetings because of that, because they have faith. Hey, they're going to do what's best for me and, and the, and, and the community. So I w- at least I would like to think that, but I do believe there's a little bit of truth in that. But uh, I think overall, I think that, I think people are positive. So I think that's awesome. So, um, let's get out of CDD matters. I think we're done with CDD now. All right. <laughs> I want to be done with CDD because <laughs> it's obviously a big topic for the community. And it's, I think it is what people want to hear. But a big thing about this podcast is to try to get to know our residents. And I want to get to know Robert, a resident, not Robert, our CDD chair. So um, last week I talked to Victor McKenzie. You know Victor McKenzie. Right, right. Yeah. And we talked to him, uh, say, last week. It's the last episode. And I was talking to him and uh, and we were, and I told him that I thought like 85, 80, 85 percent of people in, in Epperson were transplants that weren't from Florida. And he said, no, it's probably a lot more than that. Not to mention, he said that he only knew he said he only knew two people that are from Florida. But I don't think you were one of those people he said he knew, but I know he knows you. But you are actually a Florida native, correct? That's correct. And, and not only a Florida native, but a Pasco County 
native. You haven't made it out far enough, huh? I have not. As a matter of fact, the only, well, the only time I've I've left is well, I, I I left to serve in the military. I was in the Air Force. Okay. And so I lived in Alaska for for that, and I also worked for the U.S. government overseas. So I I left for to do that, but uh, the rest of the time I have I was born and raised here. My mom's family is from outside of Detroit, so spent a little time in my younger younger years, mm-hmm. three, four, five you know, spending some summers and, and stuff up in Detroit. And, and, uh, my, my father's family is all from Florida. And so I was born and raised right here in Pasco County. I was born in Newport Ritchie. Well, oh, wow. Port Ritchie, Port Ritchie, Port Ritchie, right? <laughs> so I'm as local as they, as they come, so to speak. Yeah. What well, you are a Seminole. Right? I am. You went to a lot of people or. So I grew up a, I grew up a, a Seminole fan. You, oh, you grew up States. a Seminole. Okay. I grew up a Seminole fan. Okay. So when I, when I got the invite yeah. <laughs> to, to Florida state, it was a, uh, it was a very easy decision to go there. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of people know this cause I don't know how many people know this, but I think that there's probably some people that might be surprised because they know Robert Pullen on the, on the Facebook page as being the chair, but I don't think a lot of people know that you're a lawyer, that you actually went to law school at Florida state. I did. I think every lawyer has asked this question. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you want to become a lawyer? So it was a bit personal for me. And this is one of the few times I've, I've shared the story. And certainly one of the very few times, I guess, publicly, <laughs> you, okay. could, you could good. say. We're going good, 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 uh, to get good content here. So yeah. go ahead. So uh, growing up, my father was very abusive uh, towards my mother, towards me, towards my brothers. And seeing my mom go through this, and do the best she could every single day as a, to raise myself and my brothers. And I remember there was an instance where my father, he had crossed the line with physical abuse and, and, and all that many times before, but there was finally a moment where my mom uh, said enough and she called the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office came out and despite the physical signs of abuse, the sheriff's office said, Oh, you know, this is, this is a, a matter that can be resolved inside the home. About six months later, it happened again. At that point, that was finally the end of it for my mom and my father being together, who I haven't spoken to him and since then. Mm-hmm. And that was, my goodness, 15 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe even more than that. But I remember seeing, as a young kid, my mom go through the process going to court and being a victim of a crime, realizing how alone she really was. And I think, so really that has stuck with me since then. And it's the reason that I became a lawyer was to be in a position to be able to help folks out who are going through hard times and and really just need a little bit of help. And uh, so that was, that to me is uh, why, why I became a lawyer. And so it's, it's very personal. It's. I'm, I'm glad you shared it. I, uh, I mean, I have a history of that a little bit too. My mom, not my dad. It was my mom's, um, another husband of my mom's who, uh, was abusive and I can still vividly imagine that, but I'm not going to get into that story. Um, this is your story. So, um, leading into that, obviously you became a lawyer and, um, telling, telling that story. What kind of, what kind of law do you practice right now? Right now, I uh, I work in dependency court for okay. work for the Hillsborough County. I represent Florida's abused and neglected children, 
in, in court. That's not surprising, obviously, coming from your background. So represent Well, I represent children's best interests right. uh, in, in court uh, through the Guardian Ad Litem program. So. Wow. That's uh, between military service and now serving as a lawyer and obviously serving kids. Um, that's, uh, that's, I mean, it, in that kind of environment, I'm sure to be able to come from the environment you, that you came from to give you the motivation to become a lawyer. I mean, to be around you know, a lot of these kids, a lot of people may, might even say that, hey, I, I couldn't go through that because you're kind of like reliving it over and over again. And obviously you've turned it into a positive to help them. So um, how has that changed you in your kind of in the way has it give you, I don't want to, I guess maybe even kind of say the word redemption, uh, personal redemption. Uh, has that, how has that affected you to be able to help out uh, these kids, uh, obviously coming from the background that you came from? Well, I think it gives me a unique perspective into when you, when you've lived through it personally and you've experienced it and you've been exactly where a lot of these children are, are experiencing mm -hmm. now, I think it gives you sort of that personal level of understanding right. and, and perspective to be able to help and, and to know what they're going through. And because it, my mom was, I mean, growing up, we grew up on the, the Gulf coast of Pasco County. And after my, my mom had left my, after my mom had finally gotten out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, that's not the end, right. That's definitely, I mean, now you have to pick up the pieces and move forward. And, and even though you've separated yourself from that environment, right. And you, this abusive person you've, you finally have freed yourself from you. There's still a lot of things that you have to figure out and you have to keep moving forward. And I mean, it doesn't end. I mean, that's in, in many ways, that's, that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think having that perspective and being able to, to kind of see it from that view and, and just to know that, Hey, look, you know, I was sitting right there where you are. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really helped me be a, a great advocate, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, and it's definitely stayed with me and it's something that I, that I'll never forget. And it's something that will keep encouraging me to just keep doing the best that I can. So it's awesome. It really is. So raised in Pasco. I went was. to Florida State and you came back. <laughs> yeah, so I actually went to, uh, if you've heard of Hudson, it's in Pasco County. I know. Oh, I was just actually in Hudson the other day doing a call for uh, being a nurse and going over there. But yeah, I know. But, well, it's, uh, a very, it's a small town. It's, it's, it's posted stamp, yeah. It's a, it's a small town. It's, it's, it's a little mapped out on a... <laughs> uh, I know I went down 52, I think, all the way there. Yeah. 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 Um, so I went to Hudson Elementary. Okay. Hudson Middle School. Okay. <laughs> Hudson High School. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hudson Elementary, they just closed last year. Oh, wow. uh, so that is no longer a school. So, and uh, so it's Hudson Middle now is becoming, I think, Hudson Academy and Hudson High School is still there. So, so yeah, I was, uh, I was born and raised right here, uh, except for leaving to serve in the Air Force active duty and then work for the Air Force as a civilian. Uh, my time has been right here in Florida. Uh, mm. Went to Florida State and then uh, graduated from there, worked my first job in Tallahassee for a couple of years and then served with the civilian component of the Air Force for a couple of years overseas and then moved back uh, here to Pasco County. Okay. Now you served in the, the fishing Air Force. No, Oh no. Talk, we can, we can talk about your service, but, um, cause I think that's always a, it, a service component. I mean, I, I, some people want to talk about it. Some people don't, I, I think, it's, it is, it kind of, it's a big piece of who we are. I'm a veteran. Obviously my wife's a veteran. I think it's a big piece of who you are, but, uh, and develops you in a lot of ways. And I think it, it shows through your character a lot. Um, well, I think you, one thing it's helped me 
tremendously with in my legal career is I try and help out veterans as much as I can with being an attorney. And I have my accreditation through the Department of Veteran Affairs for veterans claims. Okay. So I'm a accredited attorney through the VA and I uh, help uh, any chance I can with veterans who have problems getting the benefits that they fought for with the VA. Hmm. And I mean, I could tell you stories that and I'm sure we've all heard them about the you VA. You know you're going to get a lot of messages after this. They listen to this because we have a lot of veterans in this community. We do. A lot. We do. Yeah. Probably a lot that are looking to get those extra Well, benefits. I'm happy to help any any way I can. And yeah. um, I had a, a Vietnam veteran who had reached out to me a couple years ago. Oh, wow. And he, uh, he had Agent Orange. And the VA basically told him that it wasn't connected to his military service in Vietnam, hmm. if, you, if you can believe that. And That's unfortunate. So j- just like I hold contractors accountable for <laughs> for yeah, yeah. uh i think it's important that i do my part to to hold hold our government accountable when yeah. when veterans aren't being treated the way that i think or the way that there's you know they're denied the benefits that right that they fought for 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 these these kind of reasons that was we you know what in vietnam i mean it goes all the way back then we have veterans right now that are, that are trying to fight for those benefits and we still got you think about it now but you still get veterans all the way back from vietnam still trying to fight for these benefits it's uh it's insane. Obviously, the veteran, um, the veteran community, uh, the VA system was under fire a few years back. But they need people like you, obviously, as much as possible to, to at least say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to do some legwork for you." No person that served their country, that f- went overseas and fought for their country, should have to come back to their country and fight their own government mm-hmm. for benefits that they earned, for benefits that they were promised. And Definitely the benefits agree. that Definitely. they fought for. So, I mean, we're working to try to try to get some of that stuff taken care of for, and just hold the VA accountable when they need to be held accountable. So, so where I was going at before was that you served in the, was it the Fish and Wildlife? Yes, State Fish and Wildlife. Okay. Commission. Uh, they have they are the state's law enforcement agency for fish and wildlife. You served on the Fish and Wildlife. No, so, I was an attorney. You're in well, yeah. Okay, you were an attorney for the Fish and Wildlife. Yeah, they. They have a board, <laughs> much mm-hmm. like okay. any other government board. Yeah, so I was a staff attorney. So I had different programs in the Fish and Wildlife Agency. I was legal counsel for. So the Department of Marine Fisheries, Freshwater Fisheries, okay. licensing and permitting. Uh, those were my clients, if you will. So okay. anytime a fish and wildlife law regulation or rule or trying to get ideas for what can we pass, what can we propose to be passed for for legislation, stuff like that. Okay. I just advise. How different. long did you do that? I was there for two years. two years. I actually started off as an intern there. So after I graduated from law school with my law degree, which is called a Juris Doctorate, I went back to Florida State to do a LLM program, which is a post-law program. And as part of that program, I started off as an intern at Fish and Wildlife. And one of the attorneys had left to move to another state and a position opened up. Oh, okay. So I just said, hey, hey, boss, can I throw my name in the hat here for consideration? And you got it. The rest is history, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so um, Epperson, hmm. how'd you get here? Yeah, funny story. So I actually bought my house from Kathy. She's on the CDD board. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, it was Alicia and I were driving through the neighborhood, just looking around. Alicia, your my, spouse. Yes, my wife. <laughs> and we were driving through the neighborhood. We saw a for sale sign in the yard of one of the houses. And uh, a gentleman was standing in the garage who I now know is Dean, who mm-hmm. is Kathy's yep. husband. Yep. And you know Kathy. She's yep. on the CDD board. Yep. And I said, hey, can we take a look in your house? He called Kathy and he was like, oh, give me like five minutes. We'll clean it up. And 
we went in there. We looked at the house. We said, we love it. We'll make you an offer. We made an offer. We went, Alicia and I went to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and about 10 minutes later, Kathy called and said, hey, you know, we accept. And so that's how we uh, we came here to, to Epperson. Did you come here for the lagoon? I actually had not <laughs> heard of the lagoon. So how long ago was that? That was a year and a half ago. Okay, yeah. So it was after us. So yeah. I think maybe around the same time. Well, we got here April 2019. We rented for like six months, though. So. Well, I think we bought January of 2020. Okay. So I think you guys might have been here yeah. okay. right, right before us. Okay. So... So the lagoon was up and the, the point was the lagoon is up and running and, and going so you know it exists and everything. And there, well, we saw it driving in. About, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we saw it driving in. Yeah. Some people talk about how, you know, they were here before the lagoon. So it was different. The, this well, area was different before the lagoon. Well, so. I can tell you what it was like before any of this. Okay, tell me what it was like before any of this. <laughs> Cows and farm and citrus. Yeah? Yep. It's That's so it. crazy. So are you, obviously you live in Epperson, so you can't have the negative attitude that a lot of people have about this place is growing too fast and all their wildlife and the, the cows are going away and the farms are going away. But what do you think about it? I mean, I'm not from here. We're not from here, but even we can see it. I mean, this place is growing. I mean, just, it's going to keep growing. It's 70,000 homes coming for, for the area. Well, I can tell you in high school, we used to come out here on the, on the farmlands and yeah, you know, our trucks and bonfires oh, and, and fishing and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's kind of crazy because you can go down Curly and on one side of the street is a bunch of cows and on the other side is like a lot of buildings and stuff. And um, yeah. when we drove, we had to drive a uh, giant moving truck down from Washington State. We drove it all the way here. And when we got here, we actually came in down 75 uh, uh, onto 52, came through San Antonio area, and then down that part of um, Curly. And you're driving down there. And we're talking about just two, yeah, two years ago. And it was looks... A, totally different two years ago than it does now. Yeah. And I remember us driving down and just trees and farmland. We're like, wow, where are we, where are we going? Cause we didn't necessarily, we're like, wow, this is beautiful. It's like farmland and stuff like we like. And then all of a sudden you kind of come up and now there's, you know, water grass on the left and that percent on the right with these big old towers and stuff. So you can see the difference. And obviously just in two years, you can see, I mean, they're doing 52 is, is now a, there's now a whole cut through 52 is actually an extension that they're making 52 all over again, you know? Yeah. So it's changed a lot of landscape. Yeah. And they'll widen, they're going to widen the roads out there and curly as well from mm -hmm. what yeah. the plan was. Right. Yeah. It's, it looks a lot different, Yeah, uh, but that's, <laughs> that's the whole state. You know, we're, we're growing, the state's growing and I think folks from all over the country are moving in and seeing this, this growth of Florida happen sort of in real time. You know, it wasn't too long ago where this was all farmland <laughs> so yeah i'm from uh well this is a high school in north carolina so we talk about like being in the south and people some people think they mistake florida for the south but really it's kind of like they not. Uh, well i'll <laughs> tell you what they say here in florida they say the uh the farther north you drive the further south you get <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true it's very true it's <laughs> it is true and that's obviously just a you know a mindset and all but uh but no i think um i think what you're doing for epperson is great um you know, I know that you give up a lot of time. I know that the reason to get on the board was was good intentions and to see that, you know, it's it's seeing somebody. I mean, you, you hadn't been here as long as a lot of other people. And to come in here and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, you can see it through a certain lens, right? Through a lawyer lens or even a personal experience lens and say, listen, I can't see people taking advantage of other people. And and that, I can, that comes through all the time. I know that you do, um, that you help out anywhere you can. And it's not always about the CDD. 
um, that if someone posts something on on Facebook, you know, you don't get involved in all the the rowdy discussions <laughs> that happen. Uh, all I see most of the time is you trying to help in some form or another, getting information. And I know you're somebody who is an avid reader and researcher and has no problem in getting in there and, and getting the information for people. Yeah, I think uh, I think part of it too is uh, a lot of different companies and agents. I mean, just here in Epperson, we have you have CDD, you have HOA, you have Metro, you have all the builders, you have, of course, the county government is involved in in things like irrigation schedules and stuff like that. So you mm-hmm. have the county government, you have the school board is impacted here in people's lives too, because a lot of children go to public schools here in Pasco County. You have the county mosquito control, who we pay taxes to. Right. So they're they're also an agency that does. That business. was something that was weird when I first came here, and I saw yeah. that they actually have a a elected member for the mosquito. What is it? The yeah, it's the mosquito, mosquito control. It's the well, <laughs> yeah, it's the the board, the mosquito control board. They operate much like a CDD board. <laughs> it was just weird to see the signs up that someone who's being voted in is. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a. Uh, um, we have state agencies in here like the water it's management. So districts. Florida. It's just so Florida to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with all the ponds here and yeah. what we built on top of, right? So right. but I think being being born and raised here, it it I'm familiar with a lot of the different agencies that do business here and a lot of the government agencies and mm-hmm. and what's that. So I just try to get the best information out for that I can and, and yeah. just try to help people out and point them in the right direction with concerns. I told Victor last week or last episode, I should say that uh, we're going to have a, we're going to have to have a, a part two of our discussion. And I see that this is probably going to be an ongoing thing. If you would be willing to come back on Absolutely. a regular basis and just talk, because yeah. I think the CDD stuff obviously hits home, you know, it really does. And I'm sure there's a lot more to your story uh, that we can get into, but uh, just to keep, keep people abreast of what's going on in the community. So if you could, Please just tell everybody when the next CDD board me- board meeting is and where they can go and either go and see it in person or to be to participate to participate in person or to um, see it on Zoom or where to look out for that information. Yeah, so the next board meeting for Epperson South is on June third, and we're scheduled to start at six fifteen. The Epperson Two and Epperson North, as of the time that we're talking right now, which is on Friday. Mm-hmm. They are scheduled to have their board meetings as well. So on the same day. On the same day. At, uh, and they'll go before us. So two and north will go before us. And then so we might start a little bit late. But but right now we're scheduled for June 3rd at 615 at the Hilton Garden Inn. And that's at 26640 Silver Maple Parkway in Wesley Chapel, 33544. You can also join us on Zoom. And the call-in for that is 1-929-205-6099. And the passcode is six five two two six five. And I'm sure that you'll, as always, you'll put that out, or other board members will put the information out on Facebook. And- yeah. So I made an event on my public page yesterday or the day before. So mm-hmm. that's on there. If anybody wants to accept the invite, it'll give them an automatic alert. Yeah. To remind them right on Facebook, and I uh, also posted the agenda. Awesome. Um, could change. Some things could change with the agenda and over the next week. So if you know for. A resident calls in and says, "Hey, can we have this address specifically?" And so we're happy yeah. to put that on there too. But so I put the proposed agenda out there as well, and it has all the information. So uh, awesome. we look forward to seeing everybody there. And yeah. hope is get out, freaking let your voice be heard. You want something done? Bring it to the board. So yeah, we're happy to help. So awesome. All right, Robert. Thanks. Well, thank thanks you for, for having me. Of it course, was a, it was a, so a pleasure. Pleasure. We'll do a part two, we'll and we will. Time. Yes. <laughs> right. You know I'm gonna get it every time. Champion wearing the crown. Hey. 
see my name in lights Spark from the heart and it shines so bright Yeah, let the whole world know Let's go